Chapter Thirty One of the Penny Quicks. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. The Penny Quicks by Sabine Baring Gould. Chapter Thirty One: Estrangement. One, two, three. Hark on the church bell. Then again, one, two, three. It is a woman or a little girl," said those listening. Then again one two three a woman who can she be who is ill but how old then again the bell one two three up to forty-six aged forty-six who can it be many faces appeared at the windows and doors of the street at murgatroyd and when the sexton emerged from the belfry he was saluted with inquiries of who is dead Forty-six years old, who can she be? Mrs. Cussworth, dropped dead with a heart complaint. Now, in Yorkshire, when a man dies, then the bell tolls four-four-four, when a boy, then four-four-two, when a woman dies, then as above, thrice-three, and when a girl, three-three-two, after which, in each case, the age is tolled fiddlesticks you may say what you will it is fiddlesticks said mrs sidebottom impatiently she was in the study with philip i never heard of anything so monstrous so inhuman i could not have believed it of you and yet after what i have seen i can believe anything of you philip was unmoved the plunder of that wretched fellow he said unconcernedly shall be placed in proper hands how much there is i cannot now say and i do not know how many persons he has defrauded and to what an extent whether all will get back everything is not certain probably they will receive a part perhaps a large part but not all it is preposterous burst in mrs sidebottom i have been the means of catching him no one would have had a farthing back but for my promptitude my energy and my cleverness did i not track him here and act as his jailer and drive him into a corner whilst you secured the money and you say that i am to share losses equally with the rest no such a thing i shall have my money back in full and the rest may make the best of what remains and thank me for getting them that as for what you say philip i don't care who hears me i say it is fiddlesticks it is fiddlestick ends i should have supposed aunt louisa that by this time you would have known that when i say a thing i mean it and if i mean a thing i intend to carry it out unaltered then after a pause and now i am sorry to seem inhospitable but under the painful circumstances with death again in this house and with my child ill i am obliged to recommend you to return at once to york and when there not again to consult mr smithies it is more than probable that this reliable man of business of yours whom you set to watch me has sold you to that rascal beeple yow or whatever his name be oh gracious goodness exclaimed mrs sidebottom to be sure i will return to york i wouldn't for the world incommode you in a house of mourning i know what it is the servants off such heads as they have which are heads of hair and nothing else and everything in confusion and only tongues going 
i wouldn't stay with you at this most trying time philip not for worlds i shall be off by the next train philip was left to himself his wife was either upstairs with the baby or was below with the corpse of one whom she had looked up to and loved as a mother surely it was his place to go to her draw her into the room where they could be by themselves put his arm around her and let her rest her head on his breast and weep to the relief of her burdened heart but philip made no movement to go to his wife she was alone without a friend in the house her sister was away her baby was ill a death entails many things that have to be considered arranged and provided philip knew this he sent word to the registrar of the death he did nothing more to assist salome he rang the bell and when after a long time a servant replied to the summons he gave orders that clean sheets should be put on the bed lately occupied by mrs sidebottom he would he said for a while sleep there did it occur to philip that there was cruelty in leaving his young wife alone at night with a sick baby and with the body of the woman who had been to her as a mother lying waiting for burial downstairs did it occur to him that she might feel infinite desolation at night if he were away from her he thought only of himself of the wrong done to him she married me and never told me who she was she married me lying under a false name salome had not realized indeed had not perceived how deep and fatal a rift had been cloven in her relations with philip the fall of her mother the efforts to restore life the arrival of the doctor the conviction struggled against but finally submitted to that life was extinct had concentrated and engrossed all her faculties then when she knew that death was again in the house there sprang out of that knowledge many imperious duties that exacted of salome full attention and much thought mrs sidebottom had volunteered no help upon salome everything depended she had not the time to consider how philip would take the startling revelation made to him salome was not one to give up herself to emotion she braced herself to the discharge of the duties that devolved on her quiet very pale and hollow-eyed she went about the house from the nursery she found that the nurse had escaped deserting the baby that she might talk over the events that had occurred in the kitchen the cook salome found had made the pastry with washing instead of baking powder and the housemaid had found too much to talk about to make the beds by four o'clock in the afternoon only when everything in the house had been seen to a woman provided to attend to the dead and all the trains off their lines set on them again only then could salome sit down and write to her sister of their common loss after this was done she wrote a few notes to friends and then lacking stamps came with the packet to philip's door he was seated at his secretaire writing or pretending to write with his brows bent when he heard her distinct and gentle tap at the door he knew her tap it was like that of no one else and he called to her to enter my dear she said i have not been able to come to you before i have had so much to do and dear i have wanted to speak to you but as you know in such a case as this personal wants must be set aside have you any stamps i require a foreign one 
he hardly looked up from the desk but signed with the quill that she should shut the door he was always somewhat imperious in his manner she shut the door and came over to him and laid the letters on his desk you will stamp them for me dear she said and rested her hand lightly on his shoulder then she saw how stern and set his face was and a great terror came over her oh philip she said and then i know what you are taking to heart but there is no changing the past philip sometimes we have seen the reflection of the sun in rippled waters out of doors sent within on the ceiling how it dances is here and there now extinct then once more it flashes out in full brilliancy so was it with the color in salome's face it started to one cheek burnt there a moment then went to the temples then died away wholly and in another moment was full in her face the next to leave it ashy pale her voice also quivered along with the color in her face in rhythmic accord philip withdrew his shoulder from the pressure of her hand and slowly stood up i shall be obliged if you will take a chair said he formally as i desire an interview but will undertake to curtail it as much as possible as likely to be painful to both she allowed her hand to fall back and then drew away a step she would not take a chair as he had risen from his philip she said i am ready to hear all you have to say she spoke with her usual self-possession she knew that they must have an explanation about what had come out there was always something in her voice that pleased it was clear and soft and the words were spoken with distinctness in nothing neither in dress in movement nor in speech was there any slovenliness in salome there was some perceptible yet indefinable quality in her voice which at once reached the heart philip felt this but put the feeling from him as he had her hand salome said he not looking at her except momentarily a cruel trick has been played on me philip she said quietly but pleadingly that man as i told you is my father but i did not know it till yesterday i had no idea but that i was the daughter of those who had brought me here and who gave themselves out to be my parents i will tell you what i know but that is not much he i mean that man had married my mother who was the sister of her who is below dead he got into trouble somehow i do not know what kind of trouble it was but it was i suppose a disgraceful one for he had to leave the country and it was thought he would not venture back to england my real mother grieved at the shame died and left us to her sister who with her husband mr cusworth cheerfully undertook the care of us adopted us as their own and when they came here shortly after gave out that we were their children partly to save us the pain of knowing that our father had been a well what he was partly also to screen us from his pursuit should he return and also no doubt the more to attach us to themselves as you know shortly before mr cusworth our reputed father was to be taken into partnership a terrible accident happened and he was killed janet and i do not remember him since then mamma i mean my aunt and we children lived in this house with dear kind uncle jeremiah 
whether he knew the truth about us i have not been told we never had any doubt that she whom we loved and respected as a mother was our real mother then on the occasion of the terrible flood and the death of uncle jeremiah or just after he i mean our father reappeared suddenly and without having let mamma know that he was yet alive he came here in great destitution wanted money and even clothing mamma you know whom i mean really aunt she was in great straits what to do she did not venture openly to allow him to appear and she suffered him to visit her secretly through the lower garden door and to come to her sitting-room she gave him money and he went away that was how her two hundred and fifty pounds went about which you asked so many questions and which she was afraid of your inquiring too much about my father had then assumed the name of people yao she also allowed him to take uncle's greatcoat and hat which were laid out in the spare room for distribution you told her to dispose of them as she saw fit philip hastily raised his hand mrs sidebottom had hit the right nail on the head in her explanation of that mysterious visit to his house and then he had scouted her explanation he lowered his hand again and salome who had supposed that he desired to speak and had stopped resumed what she was relating mamma heard nothing more of him after that till yesterday when he reappeared he was he said again in trouble which meant this time that he must leave the country to avoid imprisonment but he was not in a hurry to leave too hastily he would wait till the vigilance of the police was relaxed nor would he go in the direction they expected him to take he had come he said to ascertain janet's address he intended he said to go to her my mother refused to give it i trust she remained firm in her refusal but of that i am not sure he said that if i had not been married he would have carried me off with him it would not be so dull for him if he had a daughter as a companion janet knew about him and her relationship to him i did not when he came here first of all janet was in my mother's room and the matter could not be concealed from her do you mean seriously to tell me that till yesterday you were ignorant of all this yes ignorant when you married me that your name was schofield and not cussworth of course philip of course she spoke with a leap of surprise in her tone and in her eyes it was a surprise to her that he should for a moment suppose it possible that she was capable of deceiving him that he could think her other than truthful then at that first visit you were told nothing only janet was let into the secret yes dear philip what the giddy light-hearted janet was made a confidant in a matter of such importance and you the clear of intellect prompt in action close of counsel were left in the dark it is incredible but it is true philip thereupon ensued silence she looked steadily at him with her frank eyes surely philip you do not doubt my word mamma only told janet because the secret could not be kept from her at that time my sister slept in mamma's room and spent the greater part of the day with her so that it was not possible to keep from her the sudden arrival of of him 
she shuddered at the thought of the man who was her father she put her hands over her face that burnt with an instantaneous blaze but withdrew them again directly to say vehemently but philip surely it cannot be you do not doubt me she looked searchingly at him me he made no reply his face was set not a muscle moved in it philip she said with a catch of pain a sudden spasm in her heart and throat philip the sense of degradation that has come on me since i have known the truth has been almost more than i could bear not because of myself what god sends me that i shall find the strength to bear i am nobody and if i find that i am the child of someone worse than nobody i must endure it what crushes me is the sense of the shame i have brought on you philip and the sorrow that a touch of dishonor should come to you through me but i cannot help it there is no way out of it it has come on us without fault of ours and we must bear it bear it together i she spread out her hands i would lay down my life to save you from anything that might hurt you that might grieve your proud and honorable spirit but philip i can do nothing i cannot unmake the fact that i am his daughter and your wife i shall never never forgive that the truth was kept from me the marriage was a fraud practiced on me my dear mother you know whom i mean acted with the kindest intentions but i cannot excuse her for not speaking janet knew as you tell me and she said nothing mamma urged her to remain silent i was sacrificed said philip bitterly upon my word this is a family that transmits from one generation to another the fine art of hoaxing the unsuspicious philip a rush of indignant blood mantled her face and then left it again she heaved a sigh and said if i had known before i married you whose daughter i was i would on no account have taken you i would have taken no honest man for his own sake no other for my own you know what schofield was to me to me above every man i can recall when i told you and janet and your mother how he had embittered my life how he had ruined my father and you all kept silence philip you are mistaken i never heard that at all events your mother and janet heard me heard me when they knew i was engaged to you and they told me nothing it was infamous unpardonable they knew how i hated that man before i was married they knew that i would rather have become allied to a hottentot than to such an one as he they let me marry you in ignorance it was a fraud and how i asked he raised his voice in boiling anger how can i trust you when you profess your ignorance he sprang to his feet and walked across the room i don't believe in your innocence it was base a vile plot hatched between you all schofield and the rest of you here am i just set on my feet and pushing my way in an honest business and find myself bound by an indissoluble bond to the daughter of the biggest scoundrel on the face of the globe salome did not speak to speak would be in vain he was furious he had lost his trust in her she began to tremble as she had trembled when mrs sidebottom had seen her on the stairs 
a convulsive shivering extending from the shuddering heart outwards to the extremities so that every hair on her head quivered every fold in her gown and now pursued philip the taint is transmitted to my child it might have been endurable had i stood alone it is intolerable now these things run in the blood like maladies she was nigh on fainting she lifted one hand slightly in protest but he was too angry to attend to any protest can i doubt it the clever swindler defrauded my father and the clever daughter uses the inherited arts and swindles the son how do i know but that the same falsehood low cunning and base propensities may not lurk inherent in my child to break out in time and make me curse the day that i gave to the world another edition of beeple yow alias schofield bearing my hitherto untarnished name then she turned and walked to the door with her hands extended as one blind stepping slowly stiffly as if fearful of stumbling over some unseen obstacle she went out and he looking sullenly after her saw of her only the white fingers holding the door and drawing it ajar and trying vainly to shut it pinching them in so doing showing how dazed she was instinctively trying to shut the door and too lost to what she was about to see how to do it End of chapter thirty one